And welcome to another edition of Syria Sit Down World Football Index's podcast for your Calcio to go. Gee, what are we going to talk about tonight? I'm Frank Ravello. He's Richard Carmen. I haven't the foggiest, Richard. I guess there was some game today. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, Chelsea, uh, Real Madrid. No, no, of course. We're going to talk about the all Italian uh, quarterfinals and uh, another Pioli masterclass. <laughs> that my tweet that that I had it and it was amazing how divided the responses were I mean there were a lot of people I think there's probably more people kind of in support of what I had to say about it but there was a lot of people like oh he, he didn't know that Inter and Juve were going to either lose or draw and then coming up with all this other stuff and just be, you know oh, what about 20 points from 15 games in 2023 and they even it's just like listening to them, you know, trying to like like do their best to just come back. I said, look, I said, what did I talk about? I talked about two games that they drew with a rotated squad. And I talked about a first leg win against Napoli and having a fit team to choose from for the second leg. I didn't talk about the beginning of 2023. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they People try too hard on Twitter. That's the thing. I, th- <laughs> so. I think what the historians of the game understand this, but I think many of the younger followers don't understand quite as well is that you have to know your team and what they're what they're what they are searching for right so real madrid real madrid for example they have the most champions league by far right but mm-hmm. they they're they crave the the league title they could they've we've seen managers win the champions league lose the league title and get fired mm-hmm. they've seen also managers that win the league title and not win the champions league and they're fine milan on the other hand they focus on champions league and of the seven Champions League titles that they won, only once have they won the Scudetto. They averaged the top, they averaged third place of the seven Scudetto, uh, seven Champions League that they won 62, 68, 89, um, 94, 2003, and 2007. Um, I feel like I'm missing one out there. But anyway, they, uh, Milan, well, when they went back, yeah, when they went back to back in 1990, <clears throat> 89, Napoli, I think Napoli they won yeah, Napoli won the title in '90, and Milan. I don't even think were like were they third or fourth or something like third, that. I think third. Yeah, so the average um, position. So yeah, so it was you know kind of a bizarre year. Maradona won with Napoli in '90, and Milan won the won the Champions League that final against Benfica, which was uh, with the goal by Frank Rijkaard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, to give them back to back Champions League wins, and I believe that was their fourth at the time. Yeah. Um, my my whole point is yeah it was it was their fourth yeah go ahead. But my my point the whole thing is that you know you have to know your team and in this case Milan they focus on the Champions League and they'll give up a little bit on in the in the in the Serie A table long as they're in the Champions League spot that's their main goal but their main focus is Champions League that's has always been their bread and butter yeah what they've always focused on and so you have to know your team and we would all love like an inter treble every year right we, yeah. we would all love that from 2011 but it's, it's not feasible in milan in milanisti we've never experienced that we've only had one time we won a scudetto and the champions league at the same time so while we would love that you know realistically we know that the team focuses on champions league and that's where their bread and butter is. so they're going to naturally rest some players in the league 
and you know if they get some points great if they you know if they if they win even better if they if they lose they're you know that's not their focus at the at the time so the the run of trebles there was a very you know the, the, the this this spurt of trebles enter and i think barcelona did it and i think uh, bayern did it there was a very small window for it because it went from okay the teams the, the the clubs that had the money to spend on the players versus the clubs that had no idea to what to, what, what to do with their resources and now yeah. these smaller clubs with less resources are getting a lot smarter about how they spend their money and who they attract and you know and who they recruit to come play for their teams and field teams that are relatively competitive so it's you know the the, the treble is you know there was a period where a half a dozen teams. I mean, it was astonishing when Inter did it, but Barcelona, yeah, you thought could yeah. do it. Bayern, you thought could do it. Um, but <clears throat> the treble now is really hard to win. Okay. Because of the combination. I mean, especially if you look at the Premier League te- team, all of those teams have money and all of those teams can strengthen their squads. You can't go out and realistically think you can win every competition. You can try. The last. You know, Team to do it, I think, was Byron. They won the quadruple with uh, Hansi Flick, or I guess it mm-hmm. was that year. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the last team to do it, and it's very—it doesn't happen as often as you would think it does, you know. Yeah, and <clears throat> you better have—you better have a few things going for you. One, you better have a very deep squad, and you better have a squad of players that are okay with understanding that they're going to be asked to sit games from time to time to keep everything fresh. You better be—you better be healthy. Um, not run into a, a, a litany of injury issues as most teams do over the course of the season. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, certain games are going to have to, you know, you're not going to dominate every game that you're out there. Certain games you're going to have, the ball's going to have to bounce your way favorably for you to win. Yep. Okay. So it, there is, <laughs> there are so many forces that make winning a treble hard. Okay. Um, and the top clubs are playing around 55 to 60 matches. Now that's a lot of games. Yeah. So, um, you know, we kind of got into this tangent here about the the treble. So, and 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 teams, oh, you should be winning your league if you're this far into the Champions League. That's not always the case. So, um, and in particular with Milan, that is yeah. has never been the case. So, yeah, if <clears throat> Milan suffers in into your point, Milan Champions League success has come to the cost of their league ambitions yes. regularly. Yeah, so. <clears throat> you know, um, and and that's their all in. So now they've got two fronts for which they can compete and remain in the Champions League. They can win this champion, this particular Champions League, be a seeded team as the holders, or they can finish top four. They're keeping both avenues available. Okay, yeah. um, and that's what you have to do at this stage of the season. And you've got to be smart about your team selections, and you're going to have to rotate. We'll get into that when we talk about breaking down match week thirty. For some reason. Fans out there hate it when their team rotates. It's essential. You got to do it. And Interisi are in the same boat. They're they're feeling the same thing. Their team's struggling. They're 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 fifth at the moment, uh, and their team is deep in the Champions League. And so it's the same. They're going through the same things. You know, one week Inzaghi in, the next week Inzaghi out. You know, it's just it's mm-hmm. the time of year, I guess. Yeah, Kyle, six like six trophies, but they had everything fall yeah. the right way for them. Everybody yeah. stayed fit. Yeah. Um, everything went the right way for them game wise, just, you know, all across the board. So you need a lot of extreme things to happen to be able to win a treble. I think it's kind of getting underrated. So yeah, Real Madrid doesn't have a treble. Look at that. I mean, that's, yeah, but they've got 14 <laughs> champion. They got 14 <laughs> yeah. champions leagues. Do you think yeah. they're complaining about not having a treble? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, they might be <laughs> so, um, but we will, um, 
we will talk about that with with rotation and the importance of squad. Yeah. You know what you've got with your squad and that sort of thing. With with some of the performances that came out because Milan wasn't the only team in this boat. Every, practically every team. Napoli did it. Napoli yeah. did it. Inter did it. Fiorentina did it. I mean, At, Roma did every, it. Every team rotated. Fiorentina didn't rotate as extensively as the other teams did, but they did to an they they certainly yeah. did. You know, right. Terzic over Biragi, for example. Um, uh, what's another one? I think uh, what they had Castrovilli instead of Bonaventura. Although yeah, so. Castrovilli played well, I, I saw that. I watched. I'd probably pick him over Bonaventura up. anyway. But you know, that's. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we'll talk about all of that. We will talk about everything that happened match week thirty. We'll preview the rest of Europe here tonight. We'll uh, obviously play the world's most hash- famous hashtag game: Who won Calcio Twitter? But we are going to start off, Richard, with. Leg two, Diego Armando Maradona, Napoli, and Milan. Yeah, uh, uh, fantastic tie. First leg was an interesting one. You know, we, since our last podcast, um, we had two legs here, two yeah. legs that, that happened. And um, in this one, Milan coming in with a one nothing lead into this game. Um, <clears throat> interesting, the first leg uh, for sure. Milan, Pioli masterclass, Milan masterclass, I would say. Um, I know. Motions running high, both sides, fan bases uh, after that game. Um, yeah. People talking about questionable refereeing. I ended up going back and watching the game because I, I also wasn't sure how the refereeing was. Went back and watched the game, and honestly, I can say I have no qualms about the refereeing in that first game. Um, some really great plays defensively by both teams. There were some missed calls both ways, missed yeah. penalties both ways, but it was a pretty even game. I think the yellows by by Napoli that kind of put hamstrung him in the second leg, I think we're deserved. It was more of a hot-headedness and, and some stupid plays by them, and Gisa in particular. Um, but, you know, where we are, we are one nothing game. Wonderful wonderful uh, performance by Milan. Get the one nothing leg at home. Going over to the Diego Armando uh, Maradona and um, the home team uh, come out with uh, Moret Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Juan Jesus in place of uh, Kim Jai, who was suspended with a uh, double yellow, Mario Rui. Midfield with Ndobile in place of Anguisa, Lobotka, Zielinski, uh, Politano uh, in place of uh, Lozano, Osiman, and who's Osiman's back in the lineup, you know, uh, and then uh, Havrashelia, of course. Uh, strong lineup. I mean, this is a pretty deep Napoli squad. We've seen what they did in, in Serie A. They've terrorized Serie A. They made it their own playground. Uh, but again, to have Osiman back, I think, despite the other moves that happened, uh, in particular Juan Jesus. Olsen having him back, have you know the best striker in City A, one of the best strikers in, in Europe, is is a huge boost for Napoli going into the second leg. It's a yeah, it was definitely, and I I think I read right. I don't think Napoli have played Milan yet where this season where Gvaraselia and Osimhen were playing together. Correct. Um, Correct. So this was the first time. So that was a new wrinkle for Milan to have to deal with. So that was interesting. Um, the, uh, on the flip side, the, how does Napoli diffuse Milan on the counterattack w- with a center back who's only played seven games for them this season and not having the presence of Kim Min Jai, um, you know, that was going to be, you know, that was going to be one of those factors. And then how would, how would Ndombele, um, you know, assert himself replacing Angisa? I thought Ndombele actually played pretty well. I do too. Um, I do too. So Labotka was much better this game than last game. You know, I mean, just judging on judging on how they played, if you want to just look at them from a performance standpoint, I, they're the, the the those missing. There wasn't really that big a drop off. Um, you know, I mean, Jesus was okay. Um, 
you know, you could probably point to him for maybe, you know, leaving Giroud or getting caught ball watching a little bit or being a little bit out of position for the Giroud goal. Um, and then letting him also getting position in the run of play on the chance before that, that Merritt saved. Um, but I mean, okay. You know, would, would Kim have done anything differently? Again, we, we're not going to get into hypotheticals here. So, no. um, so, but solid team you, and, and you knew what their responsibility was going to be being a goal down. Yeah. And I, I got to also say that Alex Moret was a fantastic in this game. Last game as well, too. Made some mm. huge saves in this one. Uh, but yeah, strong lineup overall. Uh, by Napoli, they came out and attacking uh, Milan with their starting 11. Mike Magnon coming off his world-class save against Di Lorenzo in the first leg. Uh, back four of Calabria, Chiar, Tamori, Hernandez. Um, midfield three of Tonali, Benacer, Kunic with Brahim Diaz, Rahe, and Rafael Leao on the wings. And Olivier Giroud, unchanged lineup from the first leg. Um, again, unchanged. Good, solid lineup. Um, I think Calabria... As Kyle pointed out, was outstanding in this match. He was also outstanding in the first leg too. Uh, and as as was uh, Magnon. Thoughts on Milan's lineup going into this one? Calabria played. I thought it was. Uh, I thought the guy's name was Calbira. <laughs> the freaking announcers, man, drive Holy me crazy. Holy shit! Did you? I mean, I Both just teams I, he screwed up. Both teams he screwed up. But Calabria was the biggest one. And it was it was he calling? What was he calling? He was he was calling him Kvar, Kvar, uh, Kavar, Kavarshelia or Kavarshelia something like that. Or something like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, at least try. I know it's not the Premier League and all the names that you're used to. You're used to knowing, but you know you have an audience that follows these guys and and might get offended by your mispronunciation of their names. So, um, that said, I wasn't offended. I just thought it was silly. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's it. This is what I said prior to you know after the Bologna match and coming into this. I said he has a purely has a fully fit squad to choose from. Nobody's suspended. Yeah. Um, you know, played some guys as substitutes a reasonable amount of minutes in the Bologna game without having too much exposure and got out of there against an informed Bologna with a draw. We'll talk about that later. But fully fit, fully healthy team, which probably neutralizes a little bit of what kind of factor Napoli could be because Napoli obviously was without two guys that they regularly depended on this season. So. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, standard, standard fare here with, uh, what Pioli has done over the last few weeks. What I thought Napoli did well in the first leg was the attack Milan aggressively in the beginning, in the first half and in the beginning of the second half, uh, yeah. Milan did well in the, in the first game to kind of counteract it in the middle in between, uh, and Milan weren't really too threatened despite the numerous chances that Napoli had. You knew that Napoli would come out with a big wave. The question was, how long would that wave last? Uh, in this game, it seemed like it was forever. The first half, at least you know, if you're from Milan's side, probably felt like 90, 90 minutes there as it is. Um, Napoli, from the get-go, came out um, on the attack. They had something like seven corners in like the first five minutes of the game. It was something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Onslaught after onslaught. But, to Milan's credit, they looked fairly unfazed. They looked very composed back there, very disciplined. Um they look like they were a team defensively, which we saw in the first leg. And the announcers made made a comment of the uh, made a comment on this that you know in Champions League, Milan have been defensively going into this game. We had five shutouts in a row. Um, have just been superb, despite what they look like in the league. Defensively in Champions League, they, this is where they brought it. Um, and you knew they would have to bring it in, in this game because Napoli were looking for goals early. 
my you know my worry as a Milanista is that you know they can see the goal early and then the floodgates open because Napoli can do that to you. They're that good, uh, but Milan held tight. They held strong through the first half. A couple chances here and there for Milan, but for the most part, all Napoli one-way traffic. Uh, and we got a break though in the 43rd minute. Uh, wonderful counterattack. Havarshelia or whatever the announcer called him uh, goes for a pass, misses Ndombele. Right to Leao, and Leao goes coast to coast, world class slalom down the down the pitch. Like you said, everyone's ball watching him as he's going down down into the into the goal area. Finds Olivier Giroud, who on his third chance, he missed a penalty earlier, missed another sitter earlier, but this one, empty net basically, and he, and he scores the goal. One nothing for Milan. Go just before halftime, huge goal for Milan. Huge goal for Olivier Giroud, who who was obviously looking like uh, possibly the goat in this game after missing that penalty. Um, but an excellent performance first half by Milan, especially with that goal. What a run by, by layout to set up the whole thing. Yeah, a few a few things here, and we'll come back to the goal here, you know, momentarily. Um, one of the comments that I made on Twitter, you know, after he missed this, after Giroud missed his second chances, I said, Giroud's the kind of striker that keep giving him chances, he's going to get one, yeah. okay? He's not one of these guys that dwells on a big chance missed. He He's, he, you know, a classic big nine. Exactly. That's the that, and that's some of the that's some of the psychology that comes with playing that position. Um, you have to just it. You have to forget it. You have because the next one's coming before you know it. Something always uh, taught my uh, my players. You know, they miss a chance and start kicking the ground or start getting frustrated. I said, you know what? Hey, the next one's coming pretty quick. All right, get forget that time. happen and get on and on <laughs> get get on with it with the next one. You know, yeah. so. Um, so, and and that was a classic example of that. Just the professionalism to be in the position to, uh, you know, to be able to be all on the end of that, and just an unbelievable run by Leao. Um, the concerns I had over the first fifteen minutes, and I said this on Twitter as well. I, I must have counted about six giveaways by Milan. Yeah, there was- in the first fifteen minutes, and I don't think it had anything to do with how Napoli were pressing. I just thought they were just sloppy technical mistakes passing the ball in particular passing the ball leo had three in the first 15 minutes whether passes were under hit or misplaced or or that sort of thing and you just saw you know it was one of those things where you're kind of getting a little aggrieved because the defenders are doing all of this work to win the ball and then you get the ball you're starting to work your way through the middle third and then they're misplacing passes in the areas that you don't want to misplace them i mean perfectly Perfectly ripe to get set up on the counter. Um, so, um, you know, and that started to concern me a little bit, you know, but the back four, everybody held their nerve. They won the ball. They'd start going again. And the first time that Milan properly executed, I thought, uh, it led to the penalty. Um, so that, you know, the the uh, the combination between Leo and, and Teo Hernandez, which we've seen so many times now, um, you know, and then and then you know, unfortunately Giroud didn't finish the penalty. I thought it was a bad penalty. I thought it was still a decent save by Merritt. Um but then Milan started to link a couple of things up. You know, I think that was if anything, you block out what happened on the penalty and you say, Hey, we can play with them. We're we're we just created something. We created something else and it's, it's coming. You know. Um, but I think because of the way the defense performed. With Quaratelia coming at Calabria, no, I'll pronounce their names right, um, <laughs> constantly. And Calabria 
the the there was the one where he had that perfectly timed uh, sliding tackle when when the the, the rare time that Cavadicelli went to his left and went to the end line. I mean, Calabria misses by three inches. He's getting Cavadicelli, and it's a penalty. Yeah. So, yeah. like that tackle had to be perfect, and it was. Uh, the positioning of Simon Kiar, um, I thought was outstanding. And and for the first 20 minutes of the game, I really felt like he was the guy that was really keeping things glued together Yes, uh, back there with his leadership, his veteran presence. And then Tamori, and I, I, I'm glad that Thierry Henry brought this up after the game. Um, Victor Osiman, how do you defend him in crossing situations? You better I- fucking, you better fucking know where he is. Yep. And the best way to know where he is, be touch tight on him, okay? Be able to feel where he is, yep. all right? Otherwise, he's going to slip into the spaces, and he's going he's gonna to punish you for losing him, all right? And Tamori yep. made it a point, and he said it in a post, post-match. He said, when it was time for Napoli to cross, I made sure I knew where Osiman was, and I was right where Osiman was every time yep. so that I could get to the ball first. So, and you've seen Osiman just score, just snipe teams, just by letting defenders drift and then just getting away from them and getting into positions. I thought it was a disciplined performance from Tamori in that regard too, because I don't think all seamen had a sniff in the first half. No, he didn't. And um, he's a top three striker in the world. And the fact that he was fairly quiet in that first half, you know, it's, it goes a lot long way to talk about what Tamori and, and Kiara both did. And like Tamori's comments were spot on. It was great to hear his, his comments. We retweeted it on the, on the, on the Twitter page. Um, he said, "Yeah, I get up, I get up tight on him and got, got in his face and made it difficult on him." And and Osman still got his by the end of the game. Um, it's worth noting also Palitano, who uh, one guy who I thought was who had the potential to really unlock his defense. You know, you saw Milan, I mean, or Napoli going with Harashieli on the left hand side. Milan counteracted that with Calabria and usually a double team, whether it's Krunic or Brahim Diaz or someone helping him out to kind of balance that out and really canceling him out. And so I, I figured that Matteo Matteo Palitano would be the guy to really unlock yeah. Milan defense. He came out injured, though, unfortunately. Um, rolled his ankle, it seemed like. Uh, on the 34th minute, in comes Irving Lozano. Not a bad replacement. I mean, I, I think of the two, that's just me from the outside. I think Politano is slightly better than Lozano uh, and, and all, all the way around play. But Irving Lozano is not a bad player to have. Um, I would love to have him in a lot of players yeah, like, of that sure. quality. Uh, but he goes out. Also, Mario Rui also picked up an injury. So, you know, Napoli already struggling with, you know, a couple guys had to bring up off the bench, like Indomile. Now you got two guys, Murray Reed, the second guy to come off, and Oliveira's to come on. Another another good upgrade there, Oliveira. Uh, mm-hmm. Saw the left back there. So, But two substitutions Spalletti had to make in the first half that did go, did went against plan, and then obviously the goal to boot uh, to put them down one nothing at halftime. So a um, little bit of regrouping there for, for Spalletti and company, uh, but you knew they are going to come back out firing again. They did in that second half. Um, and the second half kind of really opened up. Obviously it had to because Napoli had to get a goal. Two goals down overall. Uh, so they needed two goals just to get it to extra time, uh, three goals to win it. And so you knew there's gonna they're gonna attack even more than what they're already doing, which is hard to believe. And Milan had some more opportunities, you know, with, with Leao and some of the counterattacking that they had. Um, we did see some substitutions through Junior uh, Junior Messias for Brahim Diaz. Um, LF when LG Elmas came on for Indombele, I thought that was a good substitution for Spalletti because he's another um super talented offensive player for for Spalletti's side um and and Raspadori came on also around a little bit later in 74th minute but um Bagnon had to make some big saves in the, in the second half the defense still looked very strong a bend don't break as someone put it said in the chat yeah um and the game continued on and and we in the stoppage time Napoli finally get a goal through Osiman 
not enough. Milan win, or they draw the game one one, win the win the two legs. Um, it's what we kind of talked about, and people scoffed at you know at the beginning, saying Milan have Champions League DNA. Mm. This is proof of what we've been saying is these teams that have the history of the Champions League find a way to bring out that magic. I mean, Real Madrid, you know, we, we, we see what they do, but they're not the only ones. Um, it's just something about this tournament that every every team has their own tournament or, or, or thing. Milan, like Real Madrid, is a Champions League. And they, they step up. And I remember you know, when, when you talk about Champions League DNA, everyone's like, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, look at their DNA. Look at last year. Well, look mm. at them now. They're in the semifinals. So um, yeah. that goes a long way. Maldini, you got to love what he's been doing with the team, him and Masada. And then Pioli, all the critics that he's had, he is a fantastic uh, tournament manager, as is Inzaghi on the other side of Inter. Yeah. Um, but in Pioli, what he's done has been incredible with this team uh, to get them to the semifinals uh, with guys like Krunic and Salamarkers and Messias and so finding a way to get to the semifinals. That's, that's a masterful, masterful job by him. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he got it right. Um, I think he got some help. I mean, I, I you know, you, you wonder what presence Rui has if he's on the full time with some of his crossing from various positions that can yeah. can yes. put added pressure on Milan. I just Oliveira is just not the crosser. It's not his game. Um so yeah. that was a a to me that was more dangerous than taking take than, than Politano coming out. Yeah. Milan almost seemed like they took a page out of Chelsea's book when Chelsea played Milan in the Champions. Like what did Chelsea do defensively as a team in their shape? They shaded everything in the direction of Leo and Teo Hernandez. And they dared Milan to attack them down the right because they knew they couldn't. And I mean, Milan didn't really dare Napoli to win with Politano or, or Lozano, but I think they were going to take their chances with maybe a little more isolation there with a little more 1v1 and, and hoping that Teo. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, it has to be said. Um, when you ask him to do it and you put him in a, in an environment like this, Teo Hernandez can defend. Okay. And I never thought I'd be saying that about him. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, th- there was something that he was always naive at and he, you know, if you want to like, if you want to split hairs about the performance of the back four and the goalkeeper and, and say who might've been the weakest player, you know, it, you know, out of him, it probably was Teo Hernandez. Yeah. Um, you know, but, he, he was still pretty darn good. Um, yeah. yeah. So he, though, I would say this: yeah. he, the two glaring mistakes that he had in the game were leaving Oliveira twice open at the end of the game, where Oliveira should have scored both headers and missed wide. Yeah. Know, glaring misses by Oliveira, but you know he Ayo still loses there. people in in set pieces, yeah. Yeah. which is concerning. Which, which is concerning. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that some some recognition for the midfielders as well. Um, yeah. You know, Benacer, Tonali, Krunic, all did a great job of getting into supporting positions for defenders who were defending the ball. Um, Napoli couldn't self-create anything. It was going to have to carve out something special with the way Milan was situated and the way they were organized. Um, I thought it would be a big chance for... Zielinski to be special in this game, but he, he, I think he had the one chance from distance that didn't really trouble Mignon and that was it. So, yeah. um, you know, disappointing performance for him. 
Um, but I thought the midfield held up well. And then Mike Mignon, uh, he's the best goalkeeper in the world right now. I mean, um, France might have a convincing argument that they would have repeated the World Cup if if he was fit and yep. playing over Loris. So, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, I, I can't think of a goalkeeper on the planet right now playing better than Mike Mignon at the moment. And he's yeah. been he's been outstanding, especially here in the Champions League to just concede. And I know the Tatrasano was involved in this a little bit with a couple of games, but to just Milan as a team to just concede one goal in six Champions League games that's astonishing. In an era of positive attacking, you see lots of goals in these Champions League games and in these ties. To to come out of that, you know, um, and and Mignon, clean sheet at Tottenham. This is his last three Champions League games. Clean clean sheet at Tottenham. Clean sheet at home against Napoli, and gave up a 94th minute against Napoli it, at the Maradona. One goal in three games in three very difficult environments. Um, I, I can't think of a goalkeeper in world football playing better than him at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree, hands down. And I think that uh, Donnarumma deal, uh, where him leaving and he coming in, was a maybe a steal of the century for Milan. Um, I let, let you know before I start talking before I start gloating about Napoli. Um, is Mike Magnon, and it's way too early to tell in terms of how good he is, but talent-wise, he's got to be the best keeper Milan's had in their history. That's a big statement by me. And I say longevity-wise, he's got a lot to prove still. But talent-wise, I think he may be the best. And maybe that's just nearsighted just over the last you know, 20, 30 years, but you know, he's pretty damn good. I think in terms of in terms of raw talent, instincts, and shot stopping, absolutely. I think he's probably he's certainly as good as anybody they've seen. Yeah. Um, Dita had his moments of clumsiness. He's a big game player. Dita was, but he was yep. certainly clumsy. Certainly clumsy. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Love him to death. Abiati. It was just a shame that he never got a. His younger years, platform he was really to good. really to really yes. shine. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, even further back. Some of these banter guys before Donnarumma, Rossi, Diego yeah. Lopez. No, thank you. I mean, yeah, Sebastiano Rossi would probably be the only other one that I'd look at. And 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 yeah. and I said this before about Sebastiano Rossi. You know, he was probably pretty unsung because of what was defending in front of him to Sotti. Yeah. You know. Uh, Baresi, Costa Curta, and Maldini. But I'll tell you what, Rossi had the respect of those four guys. Oh yeah, um, and uh, he was a very good he was a very good goalkeeper and helped helped preserve things for Milan. I mean, he didn't get into that Italy '94 World Cup team because look at all the goalkeepers that Italy had back then: Pagliuca, Pagliuca, yeah, uh, Bucci, uh, Peruzzi, you know, Rossi. Um, and who's the other Marca Johnny? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was really hard to crack the top three in goalkeepers in Italy back in the nineties. But you know, to come back to it, I think that Mainan might be the most physically talented and probably the, and, and, and most instinctive of all the goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, That's saying a lot too with Donnarumma, who was a fantastic. Reflex shot stopper from yeah. Milan too, and Magnon is this—he's just another level. Anyway, yeah. Um, let's go back to Napoli. There's a lot of people out there 
you know, scoffing at Napoli, 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 um, saying that you know they're see they're not that good. Blah 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 blah. Like, look, Napoli are hands down the best team in Italy, hands yeah. down. Um, now you you talk tournament play, it's a different beast, right? And and it's where Zagin Pioli have the advantage over Spalletti, but this Napoli team is the best team in Italy, one of the best teams in Europe still. Um, just look what they're doing in the league. They're dominating the league at the moment. The, the team that they have is just fantastic. I mean, Havrashelli, just for him alone, he's getting double team all game long, and he's still getting his shots. Um, you know, if he wasn't naive, some of those power shots that he had early in the game where he did get by Calabria, you know, he did get by Calabria a couple of times. Um, he went for power instead of placement. A more savvy Havrashelli, an older Havrashelli maybe, uh, would know how to curl that in, like Thierry Henry said, and go for the placement as opposed to trying to rock it past Magnon. Magnon's got the fastest reflexes in the game. You're not going to get by him like that. Um, pl- placement would have probably done it for him. Uh, but yeah. he was still getting his his job done. And this team is just so good. Um, you you can't take anything the way they've done this year. They fought till the, till the very end. They got a goal 94th minute. I, I Part of me thought that maybe they're going to tie the game up. Part of me, I mean, that's how good hmm. they are. And you have to worry about a team like this. They they can they're a quick strike offense, yeah they can lull you to sleep with the with a beautiful passing and get by you, but they can score really fast too. They're like the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs of um of, of Calcio, right? So uh, full credit to what Spalletti and his men have done. You have to applaud everything they've done. The Champions League they were they brought all the eyes from to City A from the way they played in Europe, uh, and brought a lot more fans into the City A game. So you got to give them full credit and all the players that they, you know they played a hell of a two legs. So this is a it was a great two-legged affair between the two teams here. And so um, nothing but applause for Spalletti and his men. I think they were much deserved uh, uh, the way they did perform in Champions League and in Serie A too. So, you know, kudos to them. You know, they're going to here go and win a Scudetto here. So, okay, A couple of thoughts here. Um, you, first of all, yeah, Napoli fans and, and, and Napoli in general is nothing to be ashamed of. Um yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, Michael. We 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 didn't really talk about the lack of connection between Faro and Alciman, but we did talk about how they kind of were kept apart. Um, you know, not in as many, not you know, certainly in more words than that. But anyway, and I and I told um, you know, guys like Joe uh, Fischetti and 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 some of the others, Johnny over there at the Calcio guys. I said, look, guys, Napoli Napoli's having an amazing season. You know, the disappointment. Yeah, this 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 sting. This should sting, but this should not take away from what you are about to experience here in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we went back. You can go back to August and and go back to all the preseason talk. Nobody was talking about Napoli for the title. No. Okay, nobody was even talking about Napoli for last eight. We thought Napoli could get out of the group that they were in when the group draw came out. We talked about it back then, but we didn't. We didn't hail them for anything beyond that. So for them to be where they're at this season is special. For for Milan to be where they're at this season is special, and we're, for we're Inter to be where they're at is special. Um, you know, this is a special special season to be a Serie A fan when you're seeing, you know, how the how the uh, teams are performing on the European landscape. But then you go back, you know, coming back to Napoli, there is nothing to be ashamed. You know, nothing to be ashamed of here. They're about to win this Scudetto in a few yeah. weeks, and yeah, would they have loved to, to have done the double and won the Champions League too? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, why not? But the first Scudetto in 33 years for them, um, going to be a – I mean, that's going to be a party uh, in Naples. That town's going to be up for grabs once that's, once that's finally clinched. Yeah. You know, and as far as this game, you know, 
and Lisi and I were actually talking, you know, just exchanging messages because he asked me and we were talking about talking about what we thought and that sort of thing. And I said, boy, you better keep not if Napoli gets an early one, this is going to be a problem. All the pressures on Milan to keep Napoli out. Um, that's where the pre- you know, that's where the pressure was for as long as they possibly can. They scored. When Milan scored, now all the pressure is on Napoli and now they have to yeah. press. And they put them in situations. They put them in situations where they're going to probably force more shots than they don't want to take. You know, yeah. than they would rather take. Um, that's what happens with the dynamics of of being the away team with a one nil lead and then scoring first, and now having a two nil lead and telling that hey, well now you got to get two on us, okay? And we're going to set up to make sure you don't get two. If you get one, fine. If, if you get two, great. We're going to have to do this for another thirty minutes. You know, if you get three, congratulations, you, you unlocked us, you know. So, but when Giroud scored that goal in the 43rd minute, all of the pressure was on Napoli. Milan yeah. could just make them predictable, sit back and force the mistakes, make sure they had cover for each other, win the ball and take their chances on the break. You know, Milan played the game plan that you're supposed, that you had to play, um, you know, and I think that it would have been interesting if Napoli scored Within the first ten minutes, what kind of game would this have been? Yeah, except Napoli might have. I, I fear a blowout. That's just it. I think Napoli would have walked it. You yep. know, and I again, I don't like to get into hypotheticals, but I can only imagine if Napoli got a goal in the first ten minutes. Forget it. Um, all hell breaks loose after that. And I will so, say this: the the home crowd at the Diego Armando Maradona has the best crowd. You know, the champions chant out of anybody in Europe. That yeah. I mean, it's so loud you can hear it on TV, crystal clear. Uh, so kudos to them. But uh, real quick, before we move on to talk about intern Benfica, man of the match. This is a difficult one, I think, uh, because so many play over the two legs. It's a difficult one because I think so many players stepped up, played really, really well. So your your thoughts on who's the man of the match or man man of the le, the, the leg, two legs? I would say cut it into four pieces and let it be shared between uh, Mike Mignan, Davide Calabria, Simon Kiar, and Ficoyo Tamori. Um, like, like kind of, yeah, you know, and if you want to make a fifth piece for, for Teo Hernandez, you can give him a little bite. Um, but not a big piece. I think, you know, he did some decent, you know, he did some decent things, but he was certainly the weakest of that setup. So, okay. um, I have a hard time. You could name any one of, you could make the argument for any one of those guys though. And I, I wouldn't fight you on it. Um, you know, Calabria probably most likely for the job he did on Corazelia. Listen. What do we say last time we talked about Napoli when you play Quadratfelia and, and you play all semen? They're going to get their chances. You have to make it as hard as possible for them. Okay. No. You're not going to take them out of the game. You're not going to play them off the pitch. You're not going to mark them out of a game. They're going to pop up. You have to make it as difficult as possible for them. And I think over the course of the 180 minutes in this tie and then the 90 minutes at the uh, at the Maradona here a few weeks ago, they succeeded in that with flying colors. Yeah, I got. Um, I would say, and I don't. I, I love that shout. I would say I'd split it into three ways between Magnon, Calabria, and Krunic. I love okay. what Krunic did over two legs. I thought he was fantastic. Um, unsung hero of the two legs. I mean, Calabria. You can't say unsung because everyone saw what he was doing against against Cabrachiele, But I think what Krunic did quietly in over two legs was keep that calm in that midfield. Help be the aggressive with Tonali and, and Ben Acer back there, and really right. offensively and defensively helped out a lot. So I, I like what Krunic did there with Magnon and, and Calabria. So, but any of those, I mean, anybody in the certain eleven, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You could say you could say layoff for how he Leal. 
helped yeah. to set up the critical goals and Giroud for scoring, uh, you know, Benacer for his his role in, in being in the position to score in the first yeah. leg. I mean, yeah, and it was a it was a team effort. It required the commitment of everybody that was out there and and, and as a result, Milan are through. And, you know, I'd love to see both of these teams continue in this tournament. I honestly would. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, especially with the season that Napoli has had, but there can only be one winner. It was Milan. They 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 were the better team. They took advantage of their chances better than Napoli, and Napoli certainly had more than Milan did. Uh, but Milan carried out their game plan better than Napoli carried out theirs. And that's what it came down to, and Milan's in the semis. And you talked about moving on, and you're, you're talking about one – wonderful masterful in-game manager in, in pioli a tournament manager in pioli move on to another one let's uh, before we get to that i want to address okay. a couple of, i want to address a couple of things here okay real quick a couple of things that you just just, just that i want to get off my chest please do. um uh, activity that happened off the pitch actually as milan were getting on the team bus on the way to the stadium um napoli fans with monkey chats in the direction of rafael leao and the desire to paint all Napoli fans with a broad brush as a result. I think that's horse shit. Yes. Okay. Um, I think Johnny is a class guy. I think Joe Fischetti is a class guy. The Raf and Raf guys are class guys. I can't, I, you know, I, 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 I speak highly of these guys all the time. Um, guys that we've had on in the past, James McGee, Ken Chofredi. All right. Um, there is a faction of Napoli guys who are really knowledgeable, really good about things, and really do not lump them in the category of the assholes um, who decided to make asses of themselves in public with the monkey chance. I believe they were in the direction of Leao um, as they were boarding the team bus. There's video of it. Um, and also those Napoli supporters that were abusing or not abusing, like verbally abusing Teo Hernandez and his child and, you, yeah, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. The, okay. Listen, every fan base has classless people. Yes. Our, our fan base at Milan, Milan fans have classless people in their fan base. Okay. I fight with them all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a part of it, but don't paint all Napoli supporters with a broad brush. There are a lot of classy Napoli supporters who, I'm sorry for today because they've had an amazing season and there's a lot that they can be happy about and be proud of. Yeah. And you can probably say the same thing with any, any team, insert any team's name there. Uh, when, when their fan bases do idiotic, ridiculous things and painting a broad paintbrush against all that. It's like, no, it's just a small faction of a fan base. Every team has it, as you said. Yep. And so that goes with Juventus, Lazio, enter all these teams don't paint the whole support group as you know, negative. It's not. It's just a few knuckleheads, yeah. idiots, and don't blame the whole family something because there are a lot of good, passionate people. We know fans from all teams. They're amazing people, uh, and it has nothing to do with you know how these idiots act and behave uh, during games and after games and all that stuff. So, well yeah. said, Frank. Yeah, if I did, and if I didn't name you, then you're 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 part of that group that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, just, I just can't remember everybody right now. <laughs> Pretty much everyone in our chat, huh? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, very good. All right. Um, well, so as we said, one wonderful in-game manager uh, moving on, and that's Stefano Pioli. The other one, uh, Simone Inzaghi, uh, Limone Ball, um, another fantastic cup manager, and he's got his team in a great position to move into a possible Derby della Madonnina semifinals. What a fantastic way that would be. But 
we're only halfway there, uh, up to nothing. They're in a good position, but um, gonna play against Benfica in this one. Roger Schmidt's gonna have his team prepared. I thought, um, we talked about masterful performances by Pioli in the first leg and, and over both legs, really. Uh, and then what Inter did against Benfica in the first leg, winning two nothing, uh, great goal assist from Bastoni, and then Barello with the goal, and then Lukaku getting the, the consolation penalty, make it two nothing. Uh, wonderfully done. I mean, they couldn't have asked for a better result against mm-hmm. Benfica. Um, we we said they had to have, possibly have a lead to go, you know, uh, to move on to the second leg. But they, this is even better. Two nothing, um, playing well defensively. They, like Milan, are playing super super well in the in the cup atmosphere. Maybe not so much in the league, and and it's showing. And it would be a fantastic uh, display for City A and for both these clubs to have a, a derby in the Champions League uh, semifinals as we had, you know, in 2003. So uh, thoughts on, on this game here? Because it's a, it's a big one for Inter. Inter can't let their guard down. 2 nothing. though it's nice, it's not the end of the world. It's not it's a game, not game set match. Interestingly enough, both of them coming off losses at the weekend. Benfica coming off losing to Chavez. Is it Chavez or Cavez? Cavez, I mean, if it's pronounced a little differently in Portuguese, forgive me. Um, um, a 1-0 defeat that... And just I, I glanced at Benfica's lineup from that game, and they played a lot of the regular guys. Why did Inter win 2-0 at Benfica? Well, they did a combination of things. First of all, Gonzalo Ramos was a non-factor. He played right into Acerbi. Acerbi did an outstanding job in his man-marking of him. Um, they play Rafa Silva in the 10 role where he's better as a winger. So playing Rafa Silva in the 10 role is, is almost meat and drink for a guy like Marcelo Brozovic. Um, and then the fundamental mistake Roger Schmidt, Schmidt said we said last week was not starting, maybe maybe not start playing David Neres from the start and bringing him off the bench. Neres is going to play from the start. I mean, Benfica are going to have to go after this. Um, you know, and I, you know, interplayed with quite a bit of rotation as well uh, at the weekend in the Los de Monza. Uh, I expect them to bring a relatively similar lineup out to the one that they played with last week. Um, they've got right now sofa score has Chalhanolu, Mikatarian, and Barella as the three man midfield. I have to think that Brozovic starts. Um, Skriniar still out. Uh, Debra is doubtful. I think he actually left the Monza game with an injury. So you're going back to Darmian, Serbi, Bastoni. Um, I think that they're in the same situation. They do have the comfort of playing at home, but the the pressure is on Benfica. Yes. The longer you keep them out, the the better this goes for Inter. You find a way to get one, it goes great. This thing's killed. This thing's virtually killed off. But you've got to find a way to just organize, keep them out, um, and I think that that's the first priority. You keep you keep them out, you're going through. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the next priority is figuring out where you're going to scratch a goal out of it. So, um, you know, to try to, to try to kill it off, but I expect Inzaghi to organize his team. And I think that this plays in exactly into what makes Inter good. They're good in counterattacking situations. Yes. They, they yes. want to counter, especially at home. Uh, so Benfica is going to come after them and then they're going to be able to hit going the other way. This has a great chance for Lataro Martinez, who has really struggled um, here uh, over the last handful of weeks, this is a chance for him to really get right because I think there's going to be a lot of space for him uh, to get himself into positions to score some goals off of the break. Um, and I think that 
Benfica may not have an answer for that. Would not surprise me if Lotaro scored. Lisi, if you're listening, and anytime goal bet for Lotaro is pretty intriguing if he starts. Um, so, or anybody else that wants to get into that kind of thing uh, to check the odds on that. But I think because of that, and we always joke, it's you know Pazzo Inter, and it's a you know great opportunity for an all Serie A semifinal and get a Serie A team in the final and. It's enter, they're going to find a way to screw it up. But I, I don't believe that. I think that Inzaghi has really been this good in cup situations. You know, you don't have to be better than Benfica over the, That's a beauty of cups. You don't have to be better than the, the, the team you're playing against over the course of the season. You just have to be better than them for that 90 minutes yep. or that 80 minute or that 180 minutes, you know, in this case with two legs. And I think Benfica score, but I think Inter win 2 1. Mm. And they'll go through 4 1 on aggregate. And that'll then an enter will be and Zagi will be plenty satisfied with that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh this game suits it perfectly for for Inter because like you said, Benfica has to go and score goals. They need at least two goals to get to extra time at San Siro or Giuseppe Miazza, as you were going to call it for Inter fans. Um, and what what to Inter their bread and butter is the counter attack, like you said, so they can sit back, much like Milan did against Napoli, kind of sit there and let them let them have their chances, but you know be composed back there. Uh, kind of dictate the player defensively, and then when they take their opportunities, when it when it presents itself, I know Lautaro has been struggling in Serie A in terms of for goal scoring, but you know all he needs is one in this game. We saw Barella score a fantastic goal in the first leg. Who would have thought that he would have gotten the end of a header like that by Sony crosses and puts it in the back of the net? That was wonderfully done by Barella. So I mean anybody can score. They just need one, honestly. They don't even, actually they don't even need anything. As long as they don't give up a goal, like you said, that's the that's you know task number one. And the way they've been playing in the tournament so far, um, the way Inzaghi likes to play in the cup, it, it would not surprise me to see Inter move on. Um, yeah, maybe Benfica get a goal, but uh, you know, at, at worst, I'm hoping is that Inter get a get a score draw in this game and is move on overall in aggregate. Um, but I think um, we're gonna have a, a derby semifinal, and that's gonna be a fantastic. And you know, you take whatever form you see in the league at the window because it doesn't matter it's a derby and it's in the champions league semifinals and so uh it's uh it's gonna be all to all to play for there and it's gonna be the atmosphere is already fantastic in these games and then add the champions league semifinals to it it's gonna be extraordinary musty tv so um yeah interesting uh should be interesting tomorrow in, in, in a good way for inter i think uh they they certainly surprised me in the first leg with a two nothing victory at benfica that's I wasn't expecting that. I maybe one nothing victory, but you know, having a, a sound lead going into home—that's you couldn't ask for more if you're an Inter fan. So um, yeah, well, we'll see what they can do, and maybe they can get all Italian semifinals. And I think both Inter and and Milan have, you know, if Inter progress, they have a great opportunity to not only obviously be in the final, but to win the thing. I mean, because we saw Porto in 2004, a team that was on nobody's radar, and thought that of, of all the teams remaining, they're the weaker team. And they go out, and Mourinho's team goes out there and wins it, wins the whole thing. So it's not out of the element that one of these two teams could win the Champions League. Yeah, you got teams like Real and uh, Man City and Bayern around, but anything is possible in one game affair. So uh, we'll see what happens. But Inter's got to get the job done first to make it a Derby, uh, Derby Milano semifinal. Plus one eighty-seven. Anytime goal odds for Lautaro Martinez. I'd hammer that if I if I had sports book here in Wisconsin, plus five hundred for Latara Martinez to score first. Mm. So, so those are those are pretty enticing odds. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, you know, I mean, if you, but you know, you also have to factor in the form hasn't been the greatest. Um, but like I said, this could be the game for him to get right. So, um, you never know. I just took a peek at bet365.com and those were the, uh, those were the numbers that I saw. So, um, so I'm, I, so I've got him winning two, one to win four, one on aggregate. Where are you at with this? One, one, three, one overall. One one three one overall. Okay, perfect. Let's get to the uh, Europa League uh, on Thursday. Juventus did get a one nil win uh, over Sporting Lisbon last week, so now they head to Lisbon. Uh, last time they were in Lisbon, this did not go particularly well for them. Um, they went out to uh, Benfica in the group stage of the Champions League, so they're hoping that they can have a chance to make amends for that. Um. What do we see? We see Sporting Lisbon have so much attacking. They've, they've got plenty of attacking power. Um, Paulinho, uh, Marcus Edwards, uh, Pote through the midfield. Uh, Ugarte, who was suspended for the first leg, he'll be back now, uh, you know, to kind of help hold things down in the midfield. You've got Isgayo, who's a, you know, a decent uh, wing back. Uh, Nuno Santos, um, solid team here that Sporting Lisbon is going to be able to put out against the old lady. Um, <clears throat> Juve rotated in the loss here at the weekend to Sassuolo, showing you that they're prioritizing this competition and are trying to get to the last four. So what do you make of Juve's prospects going to Portugal this time? Or is it going to be better this time? Can we give something Juve fans something to feel good about? Um. Uh, something not to feel good about. Uh, Sporting have similar colors to Sassuolo, but uh, I digress. Oops. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I know. I think I think the way Allegri and his team has been playing lately, uh, in particular in the cup as well. He's another guy who who knows he's gotten his team to, to what, two Champions League finals been in his previous stint. Um, I think the way they're playing at the moment in Europe, I think going to Portugal and getting a result is not out of the question. I think that's a very doable. You know, one one. Uh, is very doable. I know I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to win. Uh, they've been playing so well defensively uh, on the road. We saw what they did in the last round, the re- and, and and also in our group stages. Um, well, for the last couple of rounds, I should say. Um, yeah, the, this, this is a team that, despite their, you know, they went on this long run, City on and had, started had some stumbling blocks, obviously against you know Napoli recently, Austin Sassuolo. Not getting necessarily the best results recently, also also the Lazio, but in the in the in Europe, like we talked about with Inter and 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 Milan, they're forgetting results, and I think they they should feel comfortable going on the road to Portugal. It is a difficult place. We always talk we always talk about it, but I think they they probably feel comfortable if they get a goal early. Um, they could probably you know defense their way all the way out to a two nothing win, maybe or something like that, uh, because they just they've been playing so much better on the road in, in Europa League. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to get a result. I'm going to just go for a 1-1 kind of game. I'm with Kyle on this. I, I think that they'll find a way to score. Certainly, um, uh, Sporting will rally and try to score one and put a lot of the pressure on um, uh, on uh, Juventus to try to Force this game into extra time, uh, but in the end, I think it's not going to end well. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a one-one since Juve threw. 
Now you got Roma and Feyenoord at the Olympico. Um, last time Feyenoord went to the capital uh, was at Lazio, and they lost four two at the very beginning of the group stage of the Europa yeah. League. They yeah. obviously rebounded nicely from that and qualified. They're leading the Eredivisie. They score a lot of goals. Um, I think that looking at the first, I, I think Roma reversed this and go through, and I'll give you my explanations. I think that Mourinho got thwarted with Dybala getting hurt in that game and Abraham getting hurt in that game and having to change his plans. Each, you know, we're going to try to factor that. we got to maybe go on the assumption that those kind of things don't happen again. Um. You know, the only thing that makes me concerned, and then, yeah, this Roma team scored, what, three, four goals against Udinese at the weekend? Yeah. That's a rarity. So Dybala, Dybala might be back as well. So Dybala, Pellegrini. So I think that Mourinho has a full squad to choose from. This is an important game for Roma because, let's remember, they're not while – they're, while they're sitting in a – they're sitting in third right now. They're not guaranteed top four. They need this. Um, and I think they're going to put on a performance that's, you know, you know, that's in accordance with that. Um, I think that Feyenoord's an, I think that Feyenoord's an outstanding team, a lot of fun players to watch on that team. You know, we've talked about them, Shimansky and Kokchu and Idrisi and, and, uh, uh, Um, and then, uh, uh, Santiago, uh, up front. Um, so I just think that this, I don't like saying somebody else is going to win because it means more. I, 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 I think that's kind of a chicken shit reason to say a team's going to win, but I think that Rome is going to be confident playing in front of their own fans. I think that's going to be an atmosphere that Feyenoord's not going to be accustomed to it, except for when they like play at Ajax or something like that. And I think that Roma take care of business. Feyenoord is going to get a goal to make this somewhat interesting, but I'm going to go three, one to Roma. I think that they put oh. three past Feyenoord. I think they win the game. They win three, two on aggregate to go through. Wow. Okay. I know that the, uh, Feyenoord have enlisted the, uh, services of the, uh, Napoli ultras in this one. So look out for, um, stupidity before and after the game. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think Feyenoord team is a team that you have to take seriously. Isn't that, isn't Feyenoord the team that lost to Roma in the conference league finals last year? Was that was that who they lost to? I think so, um, but I think I think way Mourinho has his team playing uh, the performance they did against Udinese, what they've been doing in in Europe in general. I think uh, and having a guy obviously like Mourinho who knows how to do it in the in the in the cup atmosphere. Um, I think yeah, despite despite losing in the first game one nothing, you know. Roma had a lot of created a lot of chances. Like you said, there were some things that came up that were abnormal and you know, some of the injuries that happened and it kind of thwarted them, as you mentioned. Um, those pieces are back. And we saw how well they played together against Udinese, who's a very good team. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't I, I like your shot about them winning. I mean, I may not go three one, but I might say I must go two nothing. Um, I think uh, you know, Roma do find a way to get get through and what would it say? And this is very, very hypothetical. We don't like playing hypothetical, but let's say, let's say Roma do the do the last year and they win Europa League this year. Would they be a team that you look to in Champions League next year as a considered favorite, considering they did win back to back European titles? Granted, once Conference League, once Europa League, would you put them in that kind of bracket if they were to win this year? 
Well, one, they're going to have the benefit of being a seeded team. So they're going to have a group that might be more manageable to qualify. So you've got Mourinho, who's got tons of experience in that competition. Um, and he's not a dummy. He's not at Roma to play with a team on a budget. He's no. There's ownership there that's going to go and find guys. Evan Indica looks like he's on his way to Roma. That's a good find if you get him. Yeah. Great get. Yeah, I, I was wondering where he was going to end up because I think his contract was up, and I think it's a free, um, which would be a great, great get for Roma yeah. for next year. Um, so I, I think that you could, you know, I think that if they went on to win this Europa League, I don't know if you'd list them as a favorite, but I think you could look at them as a team that they could reach the last eight of the Champions League, and it wouldn't surprise me just because of what they've experienced under Mourinho in European competitions. Yeah. So, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a Sevilla. They wouldn't be like a Sevilla because Sevilla no. is another level, right? But um, you'd have to take them seriously for sure. Yep. Sevilla's got Europa League DNA, man. They came yeah. back. <laughs> they were two 0 down to United and two United own goals to make it two two. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So Milan and Real have Champions League DNA. Sevilla are like the king of the king of the crop, and they're the great. They're the greatest Europa League club of all time, man. Yeah. And they went like three <laughs> so. in a row with under a Rakitic or something like that, too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So but yeah, Feyenoord's a good team. We we think that we know they're good, but I, I just we both think Roma are are gonna do the job and move on. Yep, I agree. Um, Conference League, the only team left, Fiorentina, and they're four-one up after you know winning in Poland against Lech Poznan. I, they'll wrap that up and reach the last four. So I don't think there's much we have to talk about there, is there? No, but I do want to say, okay, who Vincenzo Italiano has been doing a masterful job this season with all the yeah. all the tournaments, right? What's more impressive for you, what Pioli and Inzaghi are doing in Champions League, or what Vincenzo Italiano is doing across all fronts? Making his team, what he's or in the Coppa Italia finals, they're doing really well now in Serie A, and now they're in the Europa League, uh, Conference League semifinals for for lack of a better word. Uh, which before, how do you how do you rate Vincenzo Italiano's coaching performance this year compared to the other guys who are deep in tournaments? I'm going to give the edge to the Milan and Inter guys because while they've had to navigate through a tougher European competition in the Champions League, they're still fourth and fifth respectively. Um, Fiorentina. Went through the conference league at the expense of their city off form for the longest yep. period of time. Yeah, they've recovered nicely, but they're still in ninth. It's so crazy, isn't it? it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, um, they've they've gone on a nice run here. Uh, probably should have beaten Atalanta on Monday. Uh, yeah. Watch that game. Um, but you know, I, I I look at this and I say, yeah, this is. I, I, I the Milan clubs, I think, have been more impressive in what they've been able to achieve with reaching the Champions League semifinals and still, you know, maintaining being in position for top four. Yeah. But it'd be, lo- it'd be nice to have, what, one, two, three, four, five, five Italian teams in a semifinal of a European tournament. That would yeah. be amazing. That would be amazing. Now, when we're, we're not there yet, we, but let's... we have a chance to get there. So we do. we do. We have a real chance to get there. So, that was our European roundup. Let's quick run through what took place on match week 30. Uh, it opened up on Friday with Cremonese hosting Empoli Cremonese. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, Cyril, Dre- Cyril Dressers, Dessers, yeah. I'm sorry. Dessers. Uh, fourth minute in against Empoli, and then they basically just defended like their lives depended on it. Yeah. Um, 
because Empoli had 68% possession from there on out, out shooting. They had 15, they just not get anything on target. So um, Spezia and Lazio, Lazio winning 3-0 away. Chiro Immobile scoring a penalty in the 36th minute. Felipe Anderson, some beautiful interplay here from Lazio. I can't quite make it a goal of the week because it was almost kind of, they almost overpassed it. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Felipe Anderson scored in the 52nd minute to make it 2-0. Uh, Ethan Ampadu getting a red card in the 84th minute for a foul. And then it was a counterattack goal by Marcos Antonio in the 89th minute uh, to seal the deal for Lazio, get them another three points, get them some distance on their top four rivals. Important, important, important. Uh, three games taking place. Um, Milan rotating 10 guys uh, in between the Napoli games and coming away with a 1-1 draw. Uh, the game started um, maybe about 30, 30 seconds before Milan were ready to play. Uh, <laughs> and that's when Bologna scored. It was Nicolas Sansone from Stefan Posh again. What a season Posh is having. Posh yeah. is arguably the best right back in Serie A. Arguably. 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 And I put him in top five in Europe right now. Arguably. Arguably. So, I mean, and just, just low-key amazing. I mean, team of the season candidate for sure. Uh, right now, I mean, Di Lorenzo is having a great season. Calabria, obviously, off of some of his nice performances, and you know, it has to be said, Dumfries has been really good too for Inter. So, uh, just to name some names, but man, I'll tell you what, Stefan Posh has been. If you want to just do it based on importance to your team, um, Stefan Posh probably outweighs all of those guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommaso Pobega with a goal of the week candidate in the 40th minute levels the score. Milan had a lot of chances to go on and win this game. Uh, despite the rotated lineup, Napoli rotated and played to a nil-nil draw with Hellas Verona. Uh, they are not so uh, exciting to watch when you don't have the, the big guns out there. Managed to still get 10 shots on uh, Verona, but only was able to muster one on target. Inter rotated and lost uh, at the hands of Monza one go- by one goal to nil. I think we kind of speculated that maybe, just maybe, Inter might lose this game. Monza might win this game. Uh, Galliani effect, Berlusconi effect. Yep, doing it for Berlusconi as he's uh, you know recovering from some of his ailments. Bunga bunga parties going on for Monza. Is that I, six I, points from Inter this season they've taken? Yes. And four from Juventus. Six from Inter and four from Juventus. And then zero, zero, from, from, Milan. zero from Milan. So Galliani they did Milan effect. a... <laughs> yeah, B and G doing uh doing their uh doing their old club a solid, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Probably be the best way. It was Calderola who scored for Monza there in the seventy eighth minute, uh, giving them a big, big victory uh for their push to maybe to possibly finish top half. Uh moving on to Sunday's action. And Sofa score is being really slow today. Lecce and Sampdoria, man, everybody just draws these days. 1-1 between Lecce and Sampdoria. Jesse had a goal of the week candidate uh, with a yeah. little dink uh, there in the 75th minute. That was an equalizer. Asan Cisse scoring in the 31st. Uh, Torino and Salernitana. Vilena scoring for Salernitana. Sanabria scoring for Torino. Sassuolo beating a rotated Juventus side uh, by a goal to nil. Goal by Gregoire Defrel in the 64th minute. Roma. Uh, maybe didn't rotate as much as everybody else did and won 3 0. Uh, it was Eduardo Bove, uh, following up after Brian Christ. They let Brian Cristante take a penalty, really. Um, it shows, 
Yeah, it shows. Uh, and Bove had to clean up his mess for him. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini in the 55th minute. Goal of the week candidate really because of the pass from Belotti. Um, yeah, that was a great, great pass. It's a wonderful ball there. Tammy Abraham in the 91st to uh, wrap that game up. And then on Monday, we had Fiorentina at Atalanta in a 1-1 draw. Yoki Mela, goal of the week candidate there. Um, and listen, these weren't worldies, guys, okay? the, the we're, we're, we're trying to pick, like, just about all of the goals this weekend were average. Yeah. Um, so the layout of Giroud uh, goal today was better than all of them. This I agree, very much agree. Uh, so Mela scored to make it one nil, and then Fiorentina rewarded a penalty that Cabral finished one one there. To be fair, I think Fiorentina were the better team in this game. Richard, where do you want to start? Well, first I want to start with a comment by Apex saying, "What if we had three Italian European champions in one season? That would be amazing. We love that. that would be, I would love that. So where do we want to start? Um, obviously a crazy slate. Um. The three teams on Friday, the three teams in Champions League, um, all rotated heavily uh, for good reason, right? They they take the they take the Champions League seriously. You know, Milan Milan dominated their game, got a draw. Napoli for the most part dominated their game in a slow game, they drew. Inter snake bitten again with the goal scoring and Monza playing opportunistic. They beat him, you know, beat him the first time and called Rolla got a goal. Well, it was own, it was all ended up being an own goal by Dumfries, but. Um, Monza won that game too. It's 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 just tight. Like seems like we, Napoli. It's okay that they drew, and I think also Milan as well. Um, if Inter had gotten a draw, it wouldn't be as bad. But the fact that they lost is is a big thing because they're turning in the top four, and both Milan and Inter are turning in the top four. And at least get a draw in your games. You know, getting a loss like this is huge, and it's huge implications because. The two Roman clubs, uh, they're playing very well. Lazio's kind of extended their lead in second place. Roma have now got a nice little cushion over Milan. Uh, and so it's, it's really up left to, up to the two Milanese clubs to kind of battle out for that fourth position. And so, you know, both teams, I know, I, you know, as, as much as we see the, the Milan side of things where people are going at each other for how the coaching is and this and this, the Interisi side, they're doing the same thing. And, uh, and I was watching the teams go back and forth. It's, 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 fu- it's funny watching it because we're, we're going through the same things. And it's, it's it's hard when you when you take a when you take the Champions League so seriously, you're focusing on that and you, you give up a little bit in in the in the league games, and at a time where it matters, points matter. Losing to a team like Monza is you can't have that, and it's it's it goes for both Milan and clubs. You can't lose this time of year. Getting draws is okay. You rather get a win, obviously, but losing. I mean, this is a this is a bad loss against Monza. Uh, yes, I, we know they're they're heavily rotated, but um, you got to find a way to get results. If you, you know, if, if they don't make the Champions League top four, they're gonna look back at games like this and other games that they've blown uh, and say, "What would have happened? What if we had gotten a point out of that instead of a loss?" Right? And so, um, Monza, they continue to be a team that we um, we thought they would do well, but not this not this good, and against the bigger teams is when they've shown up whether it's Berlusconi's motivation of the bunga 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 parties or whatnot Monza have found a way to play serious ball especially against the bigger teams um and be on the lookout for them in, in the next couple of years because they could be contenders in the in the seven sisters but uh an interesting game well done by Monza to get the get the three points and uh but enter a little bit of a pickle here uh losing all three points yep 
Agreed there. Now, there is a twist in the plot of all of this top four. Um, the uh, Juventus 15 points penalty. The appeal is tomorrow, April yes. 19th. Yes. So. Um, both Milan just, clubs out of it? What's that? Both Milan clubs would be out of it then? This would push both Milan clubs out. This would move Milan down to fifth. That was this would move Juve to Inter third, down to sixth. Yeah, uh, and the fifteen points would restore Juve and put them in third on fifty nine points. Roma on fifty six. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So we will have to, uh, you know, learn what they're going to do about this now. Yeah, what do you think the chances are that they're successful in this appeal? I think the resignation of all of the top officials tells you something. Yeah. Okay, um, on the one end. On the other end, the Italian courts are crazy. Yes. Okay. You see, um, crazy Italian courts are crazy. And that might be an understatement. Crazy. Yes. So what do you anticipate happening tomorrow? You know, some of the reports I've been reading are that I don't know what's going to happen. And I think not knowing what's going to happen, I think they're just going to keep the 15 points uh, deduction. Because I've read some reports that, you know, that Juve are going to get their points back or be the, be the, the point deduction will be reduced. I've heard other reports that they're going to increase the point points because they have really damning facts. Um, so I don't know. And based on, I don't know, I'm just going to say, I'm going to call it a draw and say, it's going to say it's 15 points because there's, I think there's enough evidence to say that they have been doing some stuff. We're now finding that other teams are involved. We knew about Napoli, but now they're talking about Roma. Now Roma's uh, sporting director had to, re- had to resign because he got caught in, and and something similar too. So, um, I don't see Juventus gaining their points back, and maybe they do. And it is, it is what it is, right? Because you said everything's crazy over there. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna say that they don't get any points. And it's funny because I talked to Alex Del Piero on CBS Sports Galasso, and uh, they asked him about this, and he's like, "Look, whatever happens, just wait till the end of the season to change the points because it's too crazy." And I agree with him. It's too crazy to change the points during the season because, like you said, for all the teams, the top six teams, top seven teams. This affects them dramatically. The first to 15 points with the deduction for Juventus, and now if they were to get the 15 points back or whatever change of formation, you put a lot of teams in peril because they don't know what the hell is going on, and they have to wait wait on the decision here. So wait till the end of the season to make your your judgment. Um, but yeah, I, I say nothing happens, and they keep the point deduction. What are your thoughts? I'm with you because I think that there is also another case right now that's hanging over Juventus's head that's going to complicate all of this, uh, which is the Prisma investigation. Yeah. Um, and basically among the documentation uncovered was, and I'm reading this from in, from a piece on cbssports.com. among the documentation uncovered was what was initially termed a black book belonging to then sporting director, Fabio Paratici, now at Tottenham, the athletics subsequently reported that the so-called Libero Nero FP was instead a sheet of paper belonging to director Federico Cherubini. The crucial note that he had made in the section strategy said excessive use of artificial plus Valenza before drawing an arrow to immediate benefit and amortization load. <laughs> so if you're in accounting, you know exactly what all this means. Yeah, we do not. We, we're not. So we do not know. But and um, it's probably bad. Um, would you agree with Del Piero that if it is. Less points or more points, you don't change anything now and wait till the end of the season? Or do you want to see the points change right now? The players, on the one end, I feel for the players, because the players didn't engage in all this false accounting. You know, 
Um, how would they know? And, why would they? Why yeah, would they know? And and and, and I'm the biggest needler of Juventus people. <laughs> We're one of them. Okay. Um. So. It's alleged that Juventus engaged in an entirely different kind of false accounting than the transfer ones discovered on that sheet of A4 relating to player salary, and that this is a criminal rather than a sporting investigation. Um, and the sanctions for associated parties could extend far beyond just points and total and football and football bans. And allegedly, Juventus secretly paid players who said they would be going without wages for four months during the COVID nineteen pandemic. The club had reported a ninety million euro saving from the wage cut. In reality, it should have been around $22.5 million. So yeah. this is some of the stuff that um, Il Fato Quotidiano reported that Giorgio Chiellini had told players in a WhatsApp group that they would be getting their money back, instructing them to not reveal these payments and, that's, and stating that Juventus would only announce the four-month salary waiver. I know the Shelio has been one that they've interviewed, and he's – supposedly told the truth and everyone's like, why are you telling him? He's like, I just told him, you know, the truth. I'm not going to lie about anything, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about any of this case, you know, the, the in-depth. I know um, there's a lot of talk with the, the college geopoly and all this other stuff. And yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I, I hear, I've heard news that there's, Juve, Juve could get docked more. Uh, but I've also heard the other side of it where people said, oh, they're going to get, again, they get uh, absolved and they'll be fine and they're going to get their points back. So I don't know. And because because of I hear both sides, I'm gonna say they're gonna they're gonna keep the the 15 point deduction and 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 that's what it is. But it's it's certainly bizarre. It's it's not just Juventus because we're gonna we're gonna hear about Napoli coming in the off season. We're gonna hear about Roma as we just saw in the news with their sporting director fired. Um, they're resigning. Um, it's it's several teams. It's it's not just Juventus, but they they have been the uh, the ones who've done it the most, at least the. Brought it to the eyes of of the masses more than anybody else, and so naturally they're going to be the ones uh, scrutinized. And as Del Piero says, it, he says like, "Oh, we're the most hated team in, in City." I was like, "Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you do it to yourself too, right?" <laughs> I just think there's too many things hanging over Juve, and that they might yeah. use this 15 point penalty if not for the for what was immediately applied to. They could, you know, that it could end up being applied to something else, um, or it could get reduced a little bit. You know best case scenario i i have a hard time seeing this getting well but we'll find out like i said these italian courts are crazy you never know what they're thinking maybe they not only give them 15 points back to give them 15 points extra and so they're gonna be in first place somehow <laughs> <laughs> you we'll never see. know we'll you never know i mean if calciavoli is really alive and well then that's what's going to happen no let's get back to what's going on on the pitch i mean yeah where were we i don't even know yeah, let's come back. Let, let's talk about the bottom of the table because Cremonese uh-huh. wins again. Yeah, Spezia certainly not helping themselves much lately. No. Lecce not helping themselves much lately. So Town just wants to tie everybody. That's good um, result, better than the other guys. You know, and it's getting a little slick for Empoli. I think Mons is back next year. Congratulations to them. Thirty eight's perfectly fine. Yes, um, but I still think the anybody thirty two on down is still sweating a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, I think I still think Verona get out at the expense of Spezia for sure. Um, but if Lecce continue to fall apart the way they're doing, you can make Cremonese playing better, and you can make the case that Cremonese could get out of this too. So, yeah, Sampdoria, I don't, I don't, 
I don't see it for them. They're gonna they're gonna replace Genoa, and Genoa's gonna come up next year. Um, I, I like your shot about Hellas. A nice nice result against uh, Napoli this weekend. Uh, they're they're finding a way to collect points, and Spezia are, are not. And then Cremonese, like you said, they're playing a little bit better. Uh, will it be enough to catch somebody else? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I like your shot about Hellas making it out and Spezia going down. So, yeah, Genoa sitting and looking at the Serie B table. Frosinone is on sixty seven. They're ten points clear. Um, was it twenty teams in the league? Yeah. So the, the Frosinone is in prime position for automatic promotion. Genoa will be next in line, six points clear. Body, uh, the teams in the playoff places: Body, Sutirol, Cagliari, and Parma. So, Imagine Body coming back, huh? With that huge stadium. And that was quick. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then, and then, what do you do with De Laurentiis, who owns Napoli and Body? Yeah. You already know, got rid of Salernitana. Is, now it's Body. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to have to figure that out. You know, my guess is that De Laurentiis takes body, took body, gets him back into Serie A. Basically, it's like flipping a house, and then he'll sell yeah. it to, you know, he'll sell it to another business, you know, group of group of business owners or something like that. So, you know, that's what I can anticipate. I was thinking, Lo, I was thinking Lotito with with Lazio and Salernitana. So, yeah, it was Lotito with Lazio and Salernitana. You're right. So, um, so we'll we'll see. Pisa and Regina are probably a couple of teams that are still in the conversation for the playoff places. Uh, they're sitting just two points back of that. Just worth talking about City B and what we can look and what we can anticipate. I mean, look at Cremonese last year. They weren't one of the teams you're looking at City B to come out, but they did. They 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 nailed that tournament, right? The playoff tournament. They that's what got them through. I think because yeah. uh, Lecce Lecce and Monza certainly were the cream of the crop. I think of last season, but. Cremonese came out kind of out of nowhere, and who it was in uh who was it? It was um shoot, I, I mean it was Reggiana, or I, I can't remember last year who it was, but it's a team who was a favorite, and Cremonese kind of surprised everybody the way they played in the tournament, and they got themselves in. So yeah, um, yeah, good for them. Anything can happen in City B, and it usually does in these playoffs. That's what you got. That's what we love about you know, cup ties and playoffs is that anything can happen really, and you get a team that plays well all of a sudden. You do well for the 90 minutes or the 180 minutes, and anything can happen. And so, you know, whatever you've done for the season really doesn't matter as long as you get to that point and you get you get your your sniff at the window, and then you you bring the, you bring your A game there. So that's we'll see what happens in the tournament. But I'm excited for it to see who comes up. You know, Bari again. Bari would be amazing. That'd be my pick. But uh, that would so be mine too. They 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 seem to be the most attack oriented of the teams. Yeah. In the playoff positions, they scored said, 50 goals in City B this season. You said so Parma was in uh, in the playoff spot too. Yeah, they're in sixth. Okay. Buffon back. So, <laughs> yeah. Sutidol has been very tight in how they play. Yeah. Um, they defend well, but they also don't score a lot. Um, Could do well in the, in the tournament. Yeah. So that, that kind of that, that 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 exactly that was kind of you know that kind of profile is is pretty good for a you know for a tournament promotion. So um, so we'll have to see how that. We'll love to see how that all plays out. Um, I would certainly like to see team, you know, teams that try to go for it. Remember Pisa, Pisa, Regina, a little, little too far for Modena or Palermo. I think at this point, it would take a miracle for those guys to jump into the top six. Palermo would be fantastic. Galliari coming back, you know, all if they're ready, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who who makes it out of this. You know, I think Palermo is back in. In two years, okay. Como within, Como within ha- the next few years. Como has um, Fabregas, right? Fabregas is there. At Como. Is Fabregas playing at Como. 
I think so. Yes, man, I, that's where I would play. I mean, I was I've yeah, been to Como. Lake Como. Hell would, yeah, hell yeah. But absolutely, if I'm in my 30s and like in the twilight of my career, that's yeah. where I play. And if he imagine he gets into City A, he'd be a god there for the rest of his life. He wouldn't buy anything. He'd have to be free everything. It's a beautiful town off that, oh, yeah. you know, and off that lake and all that other stuff. I mean, that's a yeah, I'd absolutely go there. So. We got to find goals of the week out of this just heap of just, <laughs> I mean, the goals were just so uninspiring. I mean, it was, you know, the, the results themselves were kind of, were kind of cool and intriguing with a lot yes. of the rotation that went on, Yes, you know, and again, we're going to talk, you know, just to, to revisit this talk about rotation. Cause we went on a rant on it earlier. I said, the team, if you're going to go deep into European competitions, you're going to have to rotate a little bit. You might even have to rotate a lot in the case of Milan because they changed 10 guys. Uh, for the Bologna game, and still put on a performance where they almost won. Yeah, they so, that game. Yeah, against a good Bologna team. Uh, give me go first. Uh, give maybe give yeah. me inspiration. Yeah, have I? Um, I'll mention. I'm gonna go Miele. A uh, nice solo run by him. Uh, also, Sports Yellow had a nice save at the death. Uh, worth a note there. Uh, number five for me, Marcos Alonso. Marcos Alonso. Marcos Antonio. Nice solo run for Lazio. The third goal of the game for them. Uh, well done there. Number four for me, Pobega with his strike. Number three, yes, uh, it's more of a team goal. I thought it was really well done there by Sampdoria. Uh, number three, number two, going Phil Hena. Uh, nice, I thought it was a nice volley by him uh, to beat the keeper. And then number one, I'm not even going to go a goal. I'm going to go a goalkeeper. Consili, his save on Rabio in the 73rd minute, up one nothing. That could have been a game tying goal, uh, and it was headed for the corner. And wonderful save by Consili. The guy is uh, very underrated as a goalkeeper. He's he makes some spectacular saves. He has some what the f you know WTF moments, but sure he's a really good goalkeeper, and he showed it in that play. Man, what a heap! <laughs> this is this is the worst goals of the week we've had. Yeah. I'm gonna you know nobody wins. That's my that's my take. <laughs> nobody wins. I, oh. I mean I, I mean I I, I do kind of want to say Pobega, but then that's kind of homerism almost. Yeah. Um, Jose's goal was was good, and you know Pellegrini for the Belotti pass from the Belotti pass, and then Mela. Those are the four. Yeah, yeah. and they were all. I mean, Belotti assist of the week. There you go. Average in quality. When we've been spoiled by goals like the individual goal by Quaratelia and the, yeah. you know, and, and and some half half field worldies by Biragi and Gaich and. <laughs> you know, and in, in, in the volley by Berardi way back at the beginning of yeah, the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like we've been spoiled to just see it's such a, yeah. you know, just meh, gold, meh on the goal department. So, um, but that happens from time to time, I guess. We've got to live with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, true. well, with all of that done and behind us, we're now on to the world's most popular hashtag game, Richard. It's time for Who Won Kelcho Twitter. All right, leading us off, it's uh, at Statuos. Uh, let me start from the beginning here. And it's uh, Mancini and his team when a 20 year old, 24 year old Paraguayan buys an extra olive oil uh, bottle. And it's. We got to get him. We got to hire him. We got to. <laughs> Very nice. Statutos has uh, been on the board a few times in the past. Yes. Yes. All right. So the next one is at TV Dello Sport. I thought Tancredi Palmieri was dead. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so this will happen during a live during a live telecast. Someone puts cocaine right in front of his screenshot, and it's right here. Here you go. Bag of cocaine right there. <laughs> and he's like, "What the <laughs> fuck are you doing?" And it's like VAR it does a slow motion. Oh, this is during live TV. Uh, only in uh, only in Italy, right? Only in Italy. 
That is okay. That is for Sport Italia. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's still alive. So oh, threw a shit. bag of cocaine in front of yeah. I, I guess we just never hear from him anymore. So yeah. All right. Moving on. Hold on. I gotta catch my place again. I got. I got so excited with the cocaine. I kind of lost my place. Okay. I don't know where I'm at now. You got excited by cocaine. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I, I thought I knew you better than that. <laughs> All right, moving you're on. The guy, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy in super bad that's in there. Where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to do a line of cocaine? Yeah, <laughs> something like. That. Uh, all right, moving on. Art Vandele, Tony Malay, seven. Uh, Napoli in cup competitions this season. <laughs> you fantasy. <fit. laughs> <laughs> we uh, like that one. Well played. Yeah. Well played. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> The uh, Byron lost to Manchester City at Johnny Rules 27. Damn, Delic took the loss so bad he started being a waiter at this cafe I'm at. <laughs> uh, you got to get money somehow, right? Yeah, All right. Cool. So, next one comes from Saturnion. Says, Rahmani, whenever layout does anything more than a jog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You like that? All right. All right. Moving on. That's an uh, ad. That doesn't help me. All right, uh, Art Vandele is on the board again. Milan will win their eighth before we win our third, despite the banter our years. Happier than crying? Hey, 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 hey what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Pedro Pascal right there. Uh, All right, uh, Bob says, uh, nominates this one, and it's, uh, okay, start from the beginning. It's, in, it's just from Paris, Nitch, of course. Inter and Milan in the Champions League semifinals after enduring the banter eras together. Gonna hit each other? Like, wait a minute, hey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Juventus crying in the background, yeah. Uh, That's pretty like, good. That's yeah. pretty good. Okay, uh, moving on to... Uh, uh, Italian football news at Foot Italia 1. Uh, the Noi Consumatori and Napoli Club Maradona, Napoli Supporters Groups, and Lawyer Pisani have a class action ready for the refereeing of Kovac in Milan Napoli, claiming for damages of 150 million euros against UEFA. At the basis of the action are the decisions of the referee who risked breaking the dream of an entire city. <laughs> UEFA cannot treat Naples and Napoli in this way. <laughs> Okay, that's a new one for me, but I'll take it. <laughs> is that legit? It is legit. It is. Oh, legit. That's God. the funny part. It's legit. Oh man. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> this so, never but, disappoints. Whenever Bonetti puts this up, yeah, Bonetti XG point seven eight, forty one point seven, and they win in Allegri masterclass. <laughs> Obviously, the uh, San Remo or whatever he's dancing at here, uh, dancing with the stars, <laughs> dancing with the stars. So yeah. Uh, the uh, Italian version of it. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, Vinaldum versus Udinese. This was uh, nominated by Anthony. Just walk fast everywhere you go. <laughs> That's all Vinaldum did in the game. Look like walk you're fast. Working hard at work. At Mussolino. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I look busy at work. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. Uh, all right. Next one comes from Saturnino once again. It's Roma fans realizing they can't flex the last Italian club in Champions League semifinal oh, trophy anymore. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. <laughs> At the, the Milanisti 11, pretty, pretty simple. Milan further in the UCL than Donnarumma has ever been. 
laughing. Any other ones? Yes, uh, Apex nominates another one. Uh, this comes from Inter Germany. Imagine Inter or Milan win the Champions League. I can see the fans pulling out a banter saying, Grazie Hakan in Italian and Turkish. Imagine it would be amazing. Milan and Inter holding arms and jumping together with the trophy. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Never happened. Never happened. At AC Milan SF. <laughs> okay creative creative <laughs> right. i like that all right creative. i like, I like that it. i think so all right, all right one and then more. sabrina made a nomination Yes. So uh, originally the tweet was Sabrina says, I remember actually crying when Donnarumma couldn't sign. If I knew then what I know now. And then uh, Sabrina remembers left Gigi for a greener pasture. That's a greener pasture. Time to sack it up. All that money. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had some good ones. Okay. I think that we've got AC Milan, Milan club in San Francisco. thought that was very creative. Yes. Um, I think uh, let's throw in. Um, what was the first one from uh, Vandalay that he oh, sent? Oh yeah, Napoli in cup competitions this season. That's a good one. I like the, I like his other one where it's the Milan will win their eighth before uh, th- we win our third during despite the banter eras. And, the guys and uh, yep, and Statutos also uh, I yes. think are the finalists for me. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. go. I, I'm gonna go with it. I mean, it's 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 Milan's day. We're going with it at at, AC, at Milan Club San Francisco, in my opinion. Your okay. thoughts? Yeah, I got I got no objections. That's. Like the goals, it was very tight. So uh, I'll, I'll go with that one. All right. So that is a congratulations to Milan Club San Francisco. Very creative. You are the winner of this week's Who Won Calcio Twitter. Uh, Richard, you got some words for the people? Uh, no, I just uh, thank you for everyone who uh, joins us in the chat every each and every week. Uh, Apex caught you early in the chat this week, uh, dethroning uh, Mr. Anthony there. Uh, but no, yeah, it's uh, Champions League time. We're just excited to see what Inter can do tomorrow. Big, big game, uh, as big a game as a, as a game today. So Benfica, Inter, Inter with a 2 nothing lead in this one. We have a chance, a chance of uh, all Italian semifinals at Derby della Madonnina. There, you know that's the biggest derby in the world. And now with uh, the high stakes of Champions League semifinals, uh, with a chance to go to the finals, it's, uh, it's going to be crazy with the Tifos. Must-see TV. Make sure you tell your, your work that Dr. Ibrahimovic has to see you on both those days for uh, whatever uh, because you do not want to miss the TIFOs for both those games. So, yeah, excited. And uh, that's about it, man. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, we do have a, a matter of uh, April 23rd, 2.45 Eastern, Juventus in Napoli. Mm, uh, yeah. Should be special. Um yeah, we'll see if uh, you know. We'll see if Juventus is in third, or if they're still sitting where they're sitting based on the appeal tomorrow. So Judgment Day tomorrow. Yep. So we'll find out because that's uh, that's kind of an important thing. Certainly worth keeping your eye on. I mean, I think with everything that continues to kind of hang around Juventus, it's going to be really, really hard to. I, I think, and, and if common sense prevails, it's hard for the appeal to be overturned. But again. Italian courts are crazy. You never know what they're going to do. So I should have left the Benny Hill music on. no doubt about it and i think with that we're going to put a bow on this edition of city sit down and again i want to echo richard's comments chat 
Awesome job. Thank you guys for your contributions and being part of it. Um, Sit sit down. We have our own channel on uh, Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Sit Sit Down. Uh, You can go to at Sit Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram uh, for your comments, questions, thoughts. Hashtag Who Won Couch Show Twitter nominees. Please put those on Twitter. Um, keep it clean, keep it civil. It's we're, we're trying to do this for fun. We're trying not to piss anybody off. Um, so, uh, here on the YouTube channel, if you're here for the first time, please, uh, drop a like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Uh, the notification bell tells you when we go live. It's been Tuesday nights just because of the European run that all of our Syria teams are on. And we want to give the uh, European run its due diligence. It's, you know, in the seven years that Richard and I have done this, we have not had six now, well, now down to five teams this deep in a European, in European competition. Yeah. So it's kind of an exciting thing. So, um, uh, so, uh, please, uh, please do all of that for us and, and help promote the YouTube channel here for SETI. I'll sit down. We'd appreciate it. So anything else, Richard? No, uh, as always, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. But uh, follow us on Sierra Sit Down is more important. Yep, and follow me at ftc underscore twenty one. We will be back again next Tuesday night, nine o'clock Eastern, here on the YouTube channel. And until then, enjoy Inter Benfica. Enjoy our Serie A teams playing in the Europa and Conference leagues. Let's get five teams into the semifinals. That would be amazing. Um, across the three competitions. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.